Welcome to another edition of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan, and I'm joined by the jack of all trades, the one, the only, James Montemagno. Hey, Pierce. How's it going, buddy? Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast. It's nice to have you in Boston. Anytime, you know, yeah, I just decided to make the trip all the way out um, from the beautiful, sunshiny Seattle, Washington, out here to the, the doom and gloom of Boston. Appreciate you bringing in the good weather for me. I arrived 40 degrees and downpouring. Horrible. Lovely. Classic, beautiful Boston. Classic Boston. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Seattle weather is at all. It's not. It's actually absolutely lovely all the time in Seattle. Never I, rains. Never rains. It's uh, sunshiny, 365, um, 366 this year. How'd you celebrate your leap year? Did you go out and celebrate? You know, I didn't even know it was a leap year, so I'm just happy to know that, that I have an extra day this year. An extra day of crushing code. Extra day of crushing code, that's right. Lovely. What are we talking about today, Pierce? Talking about Xamarin Forms. Ooh. What the crap is this Xamarin Forms thing? What is Xamarin Forms? I've heard a lot about it, but I have no idea. You know, we've, it's been what, two years now since the launch of yeah, Xamarin. Yeah, it's crazy. Three. It's, time sure does fly. And uh, you go out and give some presentations, build a lot of apps, um, mostly building a lot of apps, and I go out and you know, presenting all the time, working with amazing developers around the world to craft beautiful native applications. And uh, I've been building apps with Xamarin for almost five years now, and I think you're, what, about four years, three years? About four, four and a half. Yeah, so you're right up there with me. And, you know, what I've always loved about Xamarin, of course, is that you're building native applications, and you're getting every access to all the native controls, uh, like so when new support libraries from Android come out, material design, they're available, iOS 9.x, whatever comes out, you know, the latest and greatest and all the APIs. And I've always loved crafting the native user interfaces. And, I, and I'm an Android guy. This is where, you know, you and Mike, when you and Mike do the podcast, you guys are iOS, let's, let's just say you guys are iOS fanboys, let's be honest. There may and be a little bit of bias in those Xamarin podcasts. There may be a little bit. But when you get me in like Laval on, for instance, you know, we really bring the the tried and true um, Android fanboys uh, to the mix and what I've always loved about Android was that it traditionally is a XML based interface um, so I come from a .NET C Sharp background I've worked with uh, anything from you know command line to WinForms to WPF to Silverlight um, had real big huge backends and then of course mobile so when I was doing WPF work, um, it was a XAML, XML type markup language. So when I found Android development with Xamarin, uh, it came really natural to me. I essentially just learned the controls, linear layouts, frame layouts, all these different controls, edit text, things like that. Uh, I was able to bring um, my skill set of knowing um, how to lay out a user interface um, to Android. And I've done a lot of iOS work. I leveraged a lot of, early on in my career, just a lot of table views. We really had iPads five years ago. They weren't as big as they were now. Use a lot of table view controllers. Uh, use a lot of monotouch dialogue. That was huge right. back in the day. Generating like setting screens and things like that. Um, and then a lot of custom you know, cells, essentially. It wasn't crazy laying out, worrying about rotation, worrying about all these different sizes. However, things have changed. And, you know, um, especially with iPad Pro, um, with the iPhone 6s, things are bigger. So traditionally, you know, you're working with storyboards. So talk about that a little bit, maybe it's a traditional way. Yeah. So like maybe three, three and a half years ago, there was really only like one or two form factors for iOS. So of course, you had the the iPod Touch and you had the iPhone, uh, but really you could hard code your UI values, and for the most part, you could get away with it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of all changed around the the timeline for iOS 6, iOS 7. 
And uh, that was when the iPad kind of got introduced and started getting big. And, and there was other types of form factors for the iPhone and iPod Touch that you really had to consider that had serious market share. Um, and there really wasn't like a great way to lay out all of your controls. Um, you pretty much uh, either had to do it in code, uh, which was kind of horrible, uh, or you had to use storyboards and learn auto layout. Um, so kind of around the time uh, Xamarin Forms came out two years ago, the landscape and how you build a UI and uh, iOS was changing. Yeah, and so now we've both built out apps for all the different platforms natively, and it may have been a little bit easier for me because I came from a XAML background with Xamarin Forms. So, so if you don't know what Xamarin Forms is, essentially what we did is here at Xamarin is we created this amazing library, almost like an MVVM toolkit um, backend, but for the front end, we abstracted all of the common controls across Android, iOS, and, and Windows into a library. Um, so you have pages and layouts and controls, and you craft a cross-platform user interface that displays and uh, the native controls and handles all the layouts for you, including all of the constraints and all the rotation and all the resizing, everything for you, which is really fantastic. Um, but of course, with that, it's, it's this abstraction where, you know, there's a lot of controls, list views, um, labels, images, text boxes, things like that, things that you would expect, even a map control to do some pins. Um, but it's not every control under the sun. You're not going to find the next great, amazing library and just slap it in a storyboard, right? It's, you want to have this cross-platform user interface. And what we've, we'll talk about in some of the new stuff in Xamarin Forms 2.0, and 2.1 is what we really want to focus on here, is where we were and where we're going. So, so Pierce, did you have any... Did you have any experience with XAML at all before um, Xamarin Forms? I had absolutely no experience with XAML, uh, but I found it super, super refreshing when Xamarin Forms came out. Even though I didn't know XAML, I found the transition very smooth. So I'd been, like I said earlier, laying out my uh, UIs in code. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really much of a visual designer type of guy, so I'd been laying out uh, my user interfaces in code, and like I said, auto layout, all this is starting to come into the fold, and you have to consider a lot more when you're building your UIs. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what I really liked about Xamarin Forms is I didn't really have to worry about all the different layouts, the constraints. Sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. I just got to lay out my controls. I got to use something like what you would get to use on Android, like a linear layout, a stack layout in Xamarin Forms. And I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. And it was beautiful. So yes, I had to learn the syntax uh, that I didn't know before. But the benefits for that from a productivity standpoint as a developer were huge. Yeah, and, and, and it seems like you didn't even have that much experience then with maybe even data binding, which I think a lot of our developers coming in are even new to the world of XAML and data binding. Um, and this is something unique. It doesn't actually exist on Android and iOS at all without additional libraries or things like that, even in the Xamarin world. But essentially, as you have a property, let's say it's a, a username um, and a password field, and you want to type something in the, in the box, in the text field, and then you want your code behind to automatically update, or vice versa. You want to update and enable and say, oh, is enabled, this button is enabled, and then the button enables and back and forth. But you don't want to say button.isenabled equals true or equals false. You want this like magic glue to happen. And there's a lot of frameworks like MVVM Cross and MVVM Lite that do that with traditional Xamarin, which I've used uh, MVVM Cross in the past. But Xamarin Forms includes all that. So what was your experience, Pierce, going into data binding for the first time? What did you have to learn, I guess? Uh, well, first, I had literally no idea what a command was. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I had literally no idea what, what data binding was. Um, and so in iOS development, at least, it was a lot of my view, my view controllers were a lot of 
if this happens, then we need to update all these labels, and it's just it's a there's a lot going on, especially if you're working with lots of different types of data that can change frequently. Um, so I found it a little overwhelming at first, um, but then I realized all the time this saves me and all the things I no longer have to worry about because if I data bind something, if the value changes, it's automatically changed for me. And so I don't have to think about all these different circumstances where this may get set and the UI isn't updated and all that crazy stuff. Xamarin Forms handles that all for me. Yeah, and it's basically just a little bit of syntax. You implement iNotify property changed, uh, which enables you essentially to say, hey, I changed this value, Xamarin Forms, go reevaluate and update the user interface. Um, so it's really convenient, and a command essentially is the same, but for an event. So you have a button, and you can say, when a user clicks this button, go execute this method in my code behind. And there's a command that you have to kind of implement. So if you're coming from the Windows world, uh, of development, this should be very similar to you. And, and while the Xamarin form XAML is XAML, so you have the same markup, same syntax, uh, it's just different controls. So you take a look at our control gallery and go through all of those. So with Xamarin forms, I've always found it best um, for great rapid prototyping for um, applications that maybe aren't tying in super deep into like really rich maps or something like that. Like I need to draw, I need to do all this stuff, or I need you know, a very distinct, different user interface on iOS and on Android, and you can still do that. You know, we're working on the Evolve application that's upcoming, super excited for Evolve, and on iOS, we're gonna have tabs on the bottom, but on Android and Windows, we're gonna have a flyout navigation. That's gonna look really, really, really beautiful. And you can still customize that in Xamarin Forms, but if you wanna get down into the just the nitty gritty of every little fine detail, um, you know, the traditional routes there. Uh, but I think for a lot of applications that I'm finding myself right today, uh, I can get just some simply stunning, beautiful applications, especially around some of the new stuff that's been in 2.0. And in my past history with Xamarin Forms, you know, I released the very first Evolve application, 2014 Evolve. That was, uh, I think, by, when we released, 1.2 was out. So mm. that application was built nearly two years ago now. Um, and it was, I thought it was a pretty good looking app. I was pretty proud of myself. It wasn't built in a lot of time. Um, that was really good. Uh, and then I built the Hanselman application, of course, updated that a lot of times. Uh, I've worked on a lot of Twitter applications, weather applications, smaller applications. I updated Meetup Manager, my uh, management application for uh, Meetup organizers uh, to use Xamarin Forms. That was really nice. Uh, and I've, I had some side projects that I was working on uh, with some Azure online offline sync over the holidays that I haven't released yet, but I've been working on that stuff. Um, so at least to get a lot of initialized ideas done, it's been there. But you went and you kind of um, built a pretty glorious app the, um, that maybe you can talk about a little bit. Yeah, so I think I think Xamarin Forms is definitely, that's the best case scenario for Xamarin Forms, right? You, you kind of want to prototype, you want to show some data. You really don't want full access to all the little nitty-gritty details of each particular platform. Um, but I think Xamarin Forms can do a little bit more than sometimes people give it credit for. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that I think that that's that's exactly how I would put it. When a developer comes up to me like, well, you know, I thought about going with forms, I need this, this, or this. Like you can still highly customize and you can really get down. I tour when you see the Evolve app, you guys are going to be blown away. But um, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, Xamarin Forms apps are native apps. So if I want to take advantage of anything that's platform specific, be it something UI related or something kind of behind the scenes like Bluetooth, NFC, I can still do that. Uh, so I actually built a Snapchat clone. And if you're unfamiliar with what Snapchat is, Snapchat's just an app where you can, uh, it shows a little live stream from the camera. You can take a photo and you can send it to your friends. 
and it, de it destroys itself after 10 seconds or whatever the interval the user sets is. Um, and so this app took advantage of the camera stream uh, from the device. So obviously not a control that Xamarin Forms exposes by default. Uh, there's a lot of things that were platform specific that happened in this application. And yet Xamarin Forms was perfect for it because it was only one screen where I was actually creating uh, what's called a custom render, which is just a way essentially to expose platform specific views and, and view controllers uh, in Xamarin Forms. So I only had to create one of those. Uh, but if I started creating maybe uh, if I start, got to a point where I was writing more platform-specific code than not, obviously at that point, right, Xamarin Forms isn't probably the best-case scenario because at that point, you're really uh, you're really adding extra abstraction just to share maybe five or ten percent more code. Uh, but in this particular circumstance, my app was my app was three three less views uh, that showed friends, incoming moments, and uh, then when you sent your sent a moment to your friends, uh, you could select them. My app was just three list views, a login screen, and the camera. Yeah. And so in that particular circumstance, even though I was using a lot of platform-specific features on the camera stuff, I was sharing tons of code with the rest of my application. Yeah, and, and the nice thing is that you could have went back and forth. If you architect in a way where you're abstracting your back-end code from your front-end code and kind of loosely coupling it, um, then it's easy to swap out your front end essentially and but I think in, in your instance in a lot of applications I find myself writing uh, I can I can do a few things I could do a custom render if I need to uh, or for instance I just use on platform uh, inside of the XAML so inside of our XAML you can say oh, on, on Android do this little thing or on over here do this little thing um, which is nice but I think when you come to Xamarin Forms 2.0 and 2.1 there's a lot of enhancements where you actually have to do less than that. And you're just getting more stunning, beautiful applications without doing a lot of work. So we wanted to kind of set up this podcast. We talked about a little bit about our experience, what Xamarin Forms is. But um, we launched Xamarin Forms 2.0 uh, not too long ago. November. November, right around Xamarin 4 came out. And if you missed out on that, then you've been missing out on quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in Xamarin 4, and Xamarin Forms 2.0 was, was inside of that. And... This really came around a lot of, so there were some major enhancements and small little things that you may may have noticed, but they wanted to work on bringing the latest and greatest to the to Xamarin Forms uh, around Android and App Compat, but they also wanted to do some enhancements around list views and um, you know making it smaller packages and compile errors things like that. But they added some really cool things that I've been using recently. So the first thing is that they did is they, two enhancements around performance was XAML compilation, which is a simple flag that you set that will pre-compile your XAML all, all ahead of time. So if you mistype something, something like that, it shows up in the error list, which is really convenient. Yeah, you're getting that compile time check instead of, you know, building your app, having it deploy, and then noticing that you mistyped uh, a binding or something like mm -hmm. that. You're, you're well a control name or something like that, you're finding that out at compile time, which saves time, and then you get the performance boost as well. Yeah, you get a performance boost as well, and your binary will actually be a little bit smaller uh, because it's pre-compiled XAML, and, and that's been working phenomenal for me. I mean, uh, building this Evolve app um, that I'm sure we'll do a retrospect, I'm sure on the podcast. For sure. But, I mean, it's big. It's a big app. It's not small, and it has a lot of, a lot of UI, and it's been flawless. And a lot of that also comes around the performance of in-app, and a lot of applications are lists of data. Right. I think even you were talking about your application was lists of incoming snaps and uh, your friends' lists and things like that. And 
uh, apps that I create, like my meetup manager is scrolling through lists or I'm scrolling through sessions, let's say on Evolve. Um, so list view caching is they read it all of the caching in Xamarin forms um, on all, now on all platforms completely. So you can just say, hey, recycle my cells and it handles, it just does it. It's just, you flip it on and boom, performance gain. Yeah, just like XAML compilation, it's it's literally a line of code to, to add that in. And the performance boosts are amazing because, right, if you're doing like an 80-20 analysis of your mobile application and there's one place where if you optimize the performance, you're going to see massive gains just because most mobile applications are lists, right? There's a, almost every app has to show a list of data. And so if you optimize that, you're going to get some massive performance gains. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, all you have to do is add a line of code. Yeah. Yeah. Just actually a property. Not it's a, it's not even a line of code. It's a it's property, a property right? yeah. um, Some other things that they added was uh, there's a full now way to upgrade your application to Xamarin form or Xam uh, Android uh, app compat with all the material design and material theming. So you get material tabs, you get the navigation drawer. It's very, very nice. Um, one thing that I just found myself using, uh, which uh, we have amazing documentation on, and a lot of these Xamarin Forms features you'll see of great documentation, is the pan um, and pinch gesture recognizer. There's, there's two different new gesture recognizers. You can do panning, you can do a pinch. So for instance, maybe you have an image that you need to zoom in on. Uh, essentially, in our documentation, it gives you all the code on how to scale the, you know, you're going to get a, just like the tap gesture, you'll get notified when you get a tap. But you, you can now get a notification cross-platform when someone pinches or pans the image. And what's cool there is if you pinch, you could then bind it to the, the, the uh, control, let's say an image, and it will zoom the image. So in our documentation, it's like, hey, copy this 50 lines of code, cross-platform code. Right. And it will, you, you register the gesture and boom, you're pinching in. And I use this on uh, the maps, for instance. Not, not a map, but the floor map. Right. So it's just an image. You want to zoom in on it, which is very cool. And that even works inside of, uh, you know, different scroll things and things like that. But I think for me, what was really cool is that we've added, we started with Windows Phone 8 Silverlight support years ago. We added WinRT support for phone and, and desktop. But finally, we have a Windows 10 uh, or UWP, if you will, preview that's out there and uh, it's really good. Yeah, the Evolve app looks great on UWP. I believe we're getting like north of 98% code sharing, something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it looks amazing, right? And it not only runs on Windows 10 mobile, but also on the desktop. Yeah, and it was, it was interesting. I was talking to Jason all of it. I said, you know, we're getting ready for this preview, all this stuff. I'm like, what should I target? Should I just target phone or desktop? And and he goes, oh, maybe just phone. I'll just see what it looks like. I'm like, oh, I'll focus on phone, focus on phone. And then I ran on the desktop. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Like, especially on the touchscreen desktop and it conforms to the style. And uh, it's really, really good. I was really pleasantly surprised that, hey, listen, I get a de great desktop, touch-friendly application, and then also a great mobile application. And, and to be honest, um, everything just seemed to scale and work pretty good. I didn't really have to do a lot of work um, customizing the the Win Windows version at all, to be honest. Um, I, I stylized it in a way, cross between iOS and Android in a way, and made it more Windowsy. So uh, it just came out really good. So that's kind of the 2.0 recap, I guess. Anything yeah, and uh, and in addition, like because you're getting that amount of code share, you're not having to do a lot of platform-specific tweaks for the UWP version. So essentially, you're getting UWP almost for free. And yeah. that's an app you wouldn't have written at all, maybe not, if you hadn't had Xamarin Forms to do it for you. Yeah, or maybe you want to upgrade your existing you know, Windows Phone 8 app. And you're like, I want it to be on Windows 10. I want it to be on desktop. So that transition point for your application becomes a lot lower. 
So I remember Pierce wanted me to come on the podcast. He wanted to talk about Xamarin Forms 2.1, which was just released like a week or two, a week or two ago. And uh, now we've spent literally 20 minutes talking about us and also kind of catching up on Forms. So we've really summarized. We wanted to talk a little bit about what's new in 2.1 because even though it's a point release, there's three really cool features that um, you should be aware of that we think that are really cool. Um, I think our favorite, maybe data templates. For sure. <laughs> for sure. But there's three features we're going to talk about. One is uh, control templates, then data templates, and then effects. So, um, Pierce, you did a great blog post about theming applications. We've had a few blog posts on theming, and you specifically talk about how you themed applications in the past. Right, so Xamarin Forms has uh, essentially a resource dictionary, and you can store values in this, you can store colors, you can store uh, constants, that sort of thing, and essentially you can, uh, you can bind specific properties of a particular control, maybe the background color, text color to those properties, mm -hmm. and they're static and dynamic resources, and so dynamic resources can change at runtime, and if those change, say I change my dynamic resource, uh, I have a color set or something, and I change that. And I have that data bound to the text color property of an entry. Well, then my text is automatically updated at runtime, which is really cool. Um, and then on top of that, so that's really nice. But on top of that, say you find yourself, you know, applying a lot of the same, uh, a lot of the same, uh, or you find yourself binding to a lot of the same resource dictionary properties. Um, and you see, okay, well, I, I keep binding to the background color property here on these entries. I keep binding to uh, the text color property, that sort of thing. You can actually take that and instead of having all these different properties that you're setting and setting them directly to um, to a, the, uh, a value in the resource dictionary, you can create what's called a style. And instead of having to you know, set each one individually each time, say you want to change one of the particular values. Well, if you're just applying or, or binding to a resource dictionary directly in a particular page, if you have a large application and you're binding to that value a lot and it changes or something happens, well then it's gonna, that's, that's all the spots you have to change it in. Whereas if you're using styles, that kind of abstracts that way. So uh, styles were kind of the preferred way and still kind of are the preferred way to do a lot of app theming. Uh, but there's a lot of paper cuts with that approach and uh, control templates help to solve that. Yeah, there's control templates and page templates to talk about too. And I think these are really unique. So some, some gotchas that you could get in with styling is a lot of that is around your application um, and around your controls. But what happens if you are, let's say, building a login screen and your app, your company, for instance, um, has a standardized way of logging in. They're logging in against their OAuth server, for instance, and they create a login screen. Well, now what they have to do is they have to either copy and paste that code around. They have to somehow, you know, move it around um, this logic. Now, what you really want to do is templatize that page and the controls inside of it and add the custom data binding to it. So you could expose a username and a, and a password and a command on a control template uh, and a page template. And But you could still allow people to put in custom things. So for instance, let's say you have a, uh, a page template, let's say a login page. Um, you can make most of that page um, template um, standard, your username, password, and login, and that all logs in how you want it to. But maybe on the bottom you have a content presenter inside of this little control template, and maybe you want that to be customizable. So for instance, I could ship this 
login page and Pierce could use it, but then he can customize a bit of it. This part of this page template could be used. Um, but he could apply his colors to it. So he could apply his style to it and it would trickle down. So for instance, the, the real use case for a control or page template is highly redistributable set of pages or controls that you're going to be using in several applications um, that you can still apply themes to and styles like Pierce has done, but um, you're going to have a standardized look and feels and you can theme them though. So for instance, your company may be creating 100 applications and use all want to use the same login page. You want them to look the same, but you may want different styles or themes to them. So you create a page template with some control templates inside of it. So now you distribute that to all your apps and consume that page. You say, hey, this is my login page. And they're all the same. So you have to make changes to it. You don't have to modify it in every single app. You modify it in one place. Essentially, is how I'm looking at control and page templates. Uh, which I think is unique. And we have a good example of it of maybe you need a static bar on the top and bottom of every single page or something like that. And you want that to be consistent. And then you want the content in the middle to be dynamic. And, and there's a way to do that. So I think it's a little bit tricky. And, and Jason maybe said it correct, which is probably wrapping your head around a control and, and page template is probably tricky, but once you get it, it's, it's going to, it's going to snap in and he's got a really good blog post on it. But I think if you take a look at the, the blog post that was written about control templates um, and page templates and the documentation, you'll be like, Oh, it makes sense what James and Pierce are talking about. Right. Yeah. I think so. Basically. I don't know if I described it as well as I possibly could because it is more of a complex scenario. I don't think you're going to be using these on a daily basis. But when you're, you need to and create distributable controls, imagine an entire ecosystem of, oh, I need the, the image picker page. I need the login page. I need like this page. You know what I mean? You could distribute that. Right. Um, maybe I'm writing uh, a line of business app for, for my particular business and I have like three or four different apps and they're targeted for different types of people. But like you said, I want to share a lot of the same stuff. There's no reason to change it. That's where control and page templates come in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think your favorite, you know, you really want to hit on this and initiated an amazing post uh, last week, I think it was, on data templates. So what are data? I know I'm very familiar with data templates coming from the Windows world. Pierce, maybe, are they new to you? Are data templates new to you? I had no idea what a data template was until Xamarin.Forms 2.1. Perfect. Being so, honest here on the podcast. Being honest. And so here's the scenario. You have a list of data. And... Currently today, what you do is you say, I'm going to create an item template. And I say, this is what my cell looks like. Now, Pierce, what do you have to do today if, for instance, the data is a little bit different and maybe the first cell you want username and last name, but on the other one, maybe you just want an image, right? So you want a different look for the cell. What, do you, what can you do today? But, so, but not in, not in 2.1. So if you're not using 2.1, you end up writing some really janky code to do this. Essentially what you would do is um, you would write, you would say, okay, let, in this item template, uh, let's hide all this, let's show all this, depending on what particular data we have available, and you end up writing this really, really sloppy code where essentially you have a cell, but it's not really a cell, right? It's like it, a hybrid cell. It's like a hybrid cell. It's like a master cell that has mm -hmm. like tons of different types of cells in it, and it's, yeah. it's just really sloppy. And, and, and that's bad because that's going to bog down performance. Right, exactly. It's not great for the, for the layout engine, especially because uh, these cells are repeated over and over again. 
and it, it tries to draw something similar and recycle it. But if you have one that just has an image, like you said, and you have another that's a whole bunch of text, well, it makes recycling difficult. Yeah. So that's where data templates come in. That's where data templates come in. So imagine you want multiple different types of cells um, in the same list view. Uh, data templates and the data template selector can help you say, okay, uh, maybe you have this particular type of object. Um, let's, let's do this with this type of object. Let's show this type of cell. And if we have a different type of object, let's do something else. Yeah, let's say you have a list of animals. Right. And some of them are monkeys and uh, some of them are, are kitties. I don't know. And you want to display either a, a monkey cell or a kitty cell. And that's the exact use case. You essentially create multiple item templates and you do write a little bit of code in the code behind. You say, um, um, you apply the, the template selector, the data template selector to your list view. And you say, hey, uh, on select template. So when Xamarin Forms is about to display it, you tell Xamarin Forms which template you want to use. Would you like to use the monkey template or the kitty template? It's actually, it's, it's literally 10 lines of code. I'm looking at it right here. Because you're going to create a reusable style. Exactly. Um, and you know, the good example of this is how I do like the Evolve app. Um, and I was creating this before 2.1, so this wasn't available, but we're going to have this nice feed thing. It's going to have some announcements. It's going to have Twitter stuff. It's going to have your upcoming sessions. That's all in one nice page. And I literally had to do like multiple things and kind of different list views and stack views. But I could just change it over to the datum template and say like, oh, well, if you're a session, do this. If you're a speaker, do this. Uh, and this really... Um, the data template selector, uh, I think, is really powerful because it, 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 it comes a lot from the Windows world, but it's a lot of things that you would do on even iOS, but in manual code. So you'd have different types of cells in Right, iOS. so in like iOS, for example, you would have in, in your get cell method of your UI table view source, uh, you, would, you would DQ a reusable cell and you would use an identifier and you would build a particular type of cell based off that identifier. It's kind of the same theory except totally. with data templates. Exactly, and the same thing on Android. The, the, the data template selectors have been built in. They're not used a lot, but you can say, hey, Android, my, my, um, my data source essentially... Um, uh, my adapter, or my my you know base adapter, uh, can have this many types of different cells. So get ready for that. So Xamarin Forms now just has built in, and it's it's extremely simple uh, to do when you look at the actual um, code that you're going to put. It's literally item template equals a reference to my data template selector, and the data template selector is literally one method that you override on select template. That's it. Super simple. Couldn't be simpler. Couldn't be simpler. Couldn't be simpler. Love it. Um, and the last one to really talk about, I think, when we talk about 2.1, I think maybe we should have closed with data templates. <laughs> that was close like, strong, close strong. It was, it was strong. But there's something that Pierce and I do a lot. Um, I have a, a NuGet. It's called Image Circles <laughs> for Xamarin Forms. It's probably one of my most popular NuGets is that I created a Custom renderer. Pierce, you talked a little bit about custom renderers. You can do a whole page. You can do a control. It's really powerful in Xamarin Forms. You can essentially take any custom control that you want from the platform and create a Xamarin Forms control out of it. Right. Uh, so what I did, for instance, is I took images and I made circles out of them and put you know borders around them and resize them. All that all that jazz. That um, there's a problem with how custum renderers work. Is it's fine if you're making one for a type. 
a lot of times you're sprucing up a property or something small. With image circles, it's actually a relatively big change on some of the platforms like Android to do this. But uh, on other platforms, you may only just want to adjust one or two properties that aren't abstracted. So maybe you want to set the background co color of something or something like that, right? You're going to have to create a custom renderer to adjust one property, and that's a bummer uh, in general. So Jason and team came up with this thing called effects which are a way of customizing controls without writing an entire custom renderer. Essentially, you, you, you light up a control and um, it gives you access to the native control without all this junk around it. But I think what's more important is that if you call it maybe a custom renderer in light mode, um, what's nice is that it could be for one platform, it could be for all platforms, but it gets rid of that um, you know, we used to have DLL hell back in the day. You might be too young for that. <laughs> Probably. Um, put it on your GAC right now. But it gets rid of your custom renderer craziness, where if you're creating a custom renderer, Pierce, and I'm creating a custom renderer, and you guys want to use it, you now have to pick or mash Pierce's and my code together. Right? Things don't live on top of each other. But maybe you, Pierce, are like, you know what? I really like James's circle images. But you know what I really want to do is I want to use this blur effect on iOS and I want to blur it or something. You could essentially extend my custom renderer or any control with an effect and say, hey, on iOS, let me use the blur effect and blur that puppy out. Right. And that's instead of having the go get the uh, go get the the source for image circle play around or maybe even just subclass your your uh, custom render. And there's there's a lot of extra code around with custom renders. Like there's these methods you have to implement, like you have to check and make sure the properties changed and all these different things. Effects are not that way. There's literally two methods in an effect. Yep, unattach and undetached. So you can unset it and unset it. And in your code, you just, um, you can do it in XAML or C Sharp and you say add this effect and go find it. And how Jason and team designed it is interesting. I did around naming, but also company naming. There's like different attributes you can set. So you could create a whole list of um, effects and put them in a suite and to redistribute that in a NuGet package. And even if someone was to name it the same, you'd have different company names, so it actually would be, it wouldn't collide at all. So you could actually release an entire suite for your company of effects that you're using, uh, or just distribute them and put them on NuGet. So it's just right, boom, there it is, and you just pull those, those packages in. So it's really lightweight, um, super easy way of doing it. Yeah, super simple. You get access to the control and you're always going to have one and you're good. Yeah, so Xamarin Forms 2.1, it, it cleans up on a lot of those those maybe paper cuts you had before you when you were doing Xamarin Forms development, whether it was wanting to show different types of cells in the same list view, just wanting to tweak one little small property, or what was the third thing? I totally forgot. Lost track of time. Lost track of time. Lost I mean, track of time. Essentially, it's going to help you smooth out parts of your UI where maybe you're doing additional work, but also maybe you'll start thinking with the templates, um, the control and page templates, since you have different ways of organizing your code and abstracting bits and pieces of that in a reusable fashion. So on a day-to-day -day basis, it's going to be small things to enhance your development. There. I would say probably the control and page templates are the higher level, but I think with data templates going to be super powerful and effects. Once you use one, I think you'll start just here and there, like, oh, I need to do this little tiny thing. I need this little tiny thing, and you don't have to do a lot of work to do it. 
I think that's what the team wants to do. Like we know that you have to build some customization and that shouldn't be a lot of work. Yeah. That's Xamarin yeah. Forms. So um, anything else you want to talk about, Pierce? No, that sounds good. I mean, we pretty much covered it all. What's Xamarin Forms? When should I use it? Uh, what's our experience with it? We looked a little bit at some of the newer stuff in the last six months with 2.0 and 2.1. I think we covered it all. Yeah, take a look at xamarin.com slash forms. Make sure you follow the blog, blog.xamarin.com. A lot of cool stuff up there. Uh, but also make sure to, to download Charles Petzold's book, um, Building uh, Cross-Platform Apps with Xamarin Forms. It's completely free. You can get it on uh, any e-store. E um, you get Amazon, PDF, Amazon, whatever. Anything um, you want. iBook. Google Play, books, all the books. All the books, all, all the, books. the books. And where can they find you, Pierce? Where, where are you at on the internet? Where do you want to... I'm everywhere. I am the internet. Oh, uh, But you can, you can, yeah, a little, little boasting on the Xamarin podcast. You can find me on Twitter, at Pierce Bogan, P-I-E-R-C-E, uh, two Gs and Bogan. Uh, not just not just one. Well, people think it's one, because technically it's Bogan. It's not Bogan. Oh, Pierce Bogan. Yeah, yeah, phonetically. Uh, yeah, that, I, you know... When people go and search for the Montemagno, it's, it's quite a long last name, so it's hard to spell correctly. Yeah, so where can they find you? Uh, you can find me everywhere as well. <laughs> uh, it might not be the internet, but I like to be I'm on the internet often. Yeah, you're so, at, you are liter quite literally almost everywhere. Everywhere. I try to be. You can find me, you know, I'll be presenting live at quite a few awesome upcoming uh, adventures, but you should find me on my blog, MotzCodes, M-O-T-Z.Codes. Uh, pretty awesome. You want to follow my personal blog, GitHub. Essentially, just search for James Montemagno, but github.com slash James Montemagno. The easiest way that I check most day in and day out would be uh, Twitter as well. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, James Montemagno. Boom, there I am. Uh, just go check it out. And uh, yeah, thanks so, so much for listening. Until the next time on our podcast. Have a good one.